Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us today is James Caesar. He's a professor at the University of Virginia, which I will try not to hold against you, a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution and also writing for the Weekly Standard about the great disappointment of 2013. And you remind us of the Millerites. How do the Millerites from the uh, 19th century uh, get you thinking about the Obama supporters today, James? Well, uh, the, uh, the way they got me thinking about it was that... Uh that's where the title comes from, The Great Disappointment. That was the name that uh, people at the time gave to uh, the failure of the Millerite movement, his prediction that the advent would arrive. And then when it didn't, they started speaking of the Great Disappointment and held what was at the time called post-disappointment conferences. <laughs> so that term was very much in the air. Well, wasn't it just enough that a guy had made messianic promises and he clearly didn't know what he was talking about and... The Air Force didn't come. Why, why, why have a post-conference? You have the disappointment right in front of you. Well, uh, some of the people who thought that there, were, there was disappointment, they were the scoffers. Mm -hmm. The others, though, uh, some of the others wanted to keep the movement going and felt that there was a way of saying that, in fact, the advent had arrived, only people hadn't <laughs> seen it, or that it would be coming shortly. So not everyone uh, accepted the fact that there was disappointment. And as a matter of fact, the Seventh-day Adventists grow out of this, uh, this, this movement. And which brings me, my thoughts, to today, the, whether it's the stimulus, which some people still insist, oh, it worked great, you know, $900 billion later, or whether it's Obamacare. It's any day now, it's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. It, it seems like there are some supporters of President Obama who are impervious to facts on the ground. That's what uh, I called uh, both deniers and deflectors, but especially deniers. Deniers are those who invest so much in the original promise, give so much of their attention uh, to it psychologically, that when it doesn't arrive, they can't just uh, readjust to reality, but they uh, create uh, new mechanisms to argue in effect that, well, in some way they were right all along and that uh, the, the uh, uh, success will come under other terms. or as I mentioned, the other group would say it really did come or would have come, but for those who stopped it. So mm -hmm. the good was uh, was promised. It was true. It's just that some foreign force or alien force <laughs> kept it from occurring. And those what I call the deflectors. And that also happened at the time of the Millerites. I believe it's happening today. Uh, well, let's start, let's start with the deniers, because one of the things that I, the questions I love asking people who are strong supporters of President Obama is I simply say, well, name something the president got right. And I need it a nice open, you know, should be a softball, right? And the and instantly their faces flush and they start to shake a bit. And I think because they apparently can't think of anything that they know they can say other than taking out Osama bin Laden. That's kind of the default. <laughs> we'll go to that. That where you can say, yeah, the president got it right. He had a proposal. He got it passed. He said something would happen, and it did. They got nothing. Well, there might be a few other things, although some of these might be said have been the examples where you've had actual bipartisanship. Mm -hmm. That's never mentioned. But we had some trade agreements. I think those will probably be in the long-term interest of the country. Those were done with Republican uh, help and assistance. So um, the, the idea that everything in this administration has been uh, partisan is untrue. There have been some bipartisan agreements, and some of those have been helpful. Also in foreign policy, of course, it's not looking very good now, but the uh, surge in Afghanistan might have uh, been successful if uh, the president had continued the policy. And recall that was done 
to a large extent with backing of uh, Republicans. But uh, that's the problem, James. It might have worked if it might. I mean, it's, it's it's so difficult in my as a guy who I do talk radio when I'm not doing these podcasts, and so I'm in the business of you know kind of arguing and debating and the rhetorical back and forth. And I think to myself, if I were going to be an Obama defender, what would I say? And I often find myself saying, I got nothing. And so can it really be the case that these smart people who work so hard to get President Obama elected with promises like uh, we're going to fundamentally transform America and we're going to shut down Gitmo and we're going to extend health care to all and we're going to turn the economy around through uh, Keynesian, you know, uh, pumping of cash. Can they really not see the gap between what they promised or were promised and what we have today? It is. Uh, that's uh, you could put another term for that would be a great disappointment on every count, <laughs> uh, if you want to use that language. Um, it it has to do. I think uh, in, in uh, each case would have to be looked at separately. But it ha- has to do with uh, I think putting the cart before the horse. This desire for massive transformation, mm-hmm. uh, the no- the notion that somehow the winds of history were behind you. And yet, uh, not sound policy al- an- analysis on a- any count. Um, it's disappointing, especially when we expect so much from the intelligent, mm-hmm. and the intelligent tell us that we have so much to expect from them. Uh, w- when they don't succeed, it's, uh, a, a, again, a great disappointment. One of the things I think that allows the de- deniers and deflectors to uh, to, to f- avoid confronting the gap between what they've been promised and what's real, is that the and this seems this may seem counterintuitive, so you can straighten me out, but it's that it's been so awful that whenever you lay out how awful it's been, you sound like you're engaged in negative attacks and hyperbole. I mean, if if I had said before Obamacare passed, here's what's going to happen: the computers are going to crash, millions more people will lose coverage and they will get it. Uh, the insurance companies will be, have to ask for another bailout. You'll have to delay the uh, the mandates by one, two, three years. I would have sounded like a crazy person, you know, foaming at the mouth and spewing vast right wing conspiracy. And yet that's exactly what happened. And I think it's so bad that you can that, that the defenders can kind of shrug off the information as well. It can't be. It just can't be that bad, can it? Well, it's uh, it has uh, manifold problems. S- some of these problems, uh, I think, were expected in the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. which makes it worse. There's a degree in this of deception and uh, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was known. Some of these things were known. And it was thought uh, that they, we should go ahead anyhow. That is, the way uh, the program, which was said to cost nothing, in fact costs more, the way in which there's a massive amount of redistribution that's taking place in this program. It's better at redistribution than it is at health care, let me assure right. you. Uh, some of these things were, were known, and uh, people just couldn't see them or understand them, including many experts who looked at them couldn't see or understand them until they actually began going into effect. And people looked and saw what was happening. There's also a massive redistribution between from the young to the elderly, Mm -hmm. which uh, isn't probably what the economy uh, needs right now. That was foreseen. So in addition to the problems you mentioned, that uh, it's some ways worse than anyone thought, it's also much more deceptive than anyone thought. And some of the things that will uh, occur if we ever get to that point um, will have that character. People will say this was really done under false pretenses. Some of the failed messiahs you mentioned in your Weekly Standard article, like Miller or like Azevi, do you think that they were uh, deceptive, or do you think that they were really true believers who just believed 
incorrectly. And where do you draw the line with what you've seen from the Obama White House? Were these people who honestly just thought that wishful thinking and hope would carry the day? Or do you think they were spending time covering up some of the bad math early on and deceiving their followers? Yeah, I'll, uh, on the Obama thing, I would say they hoped that it would work, that it would uh, be, be successful. But uh, in the case of the Obama, there was uh, obviously, in my mind, lots of things in this bill that they uh, knew were going to have effects mm -hmm. that they thought the American people would swallow if it was uh, successful overall, um, that, that they knew it was deception, beginning with the president's own, you'll keep right. your doctor. I mean, that is absurd. The idea that this wasn't going to end up costing more when you're adding 30 million people who aren't uninsured, that is absurd. When you look back at it, you see one element of absurdity after another. Right. I still think that the, from the beginning, they thought the whole thing would work, would be so successful that so many people would benefit from them that uh, these deceptions would be overlooked in the name of the uh, grander cause. As for the others, oh, I don't know. I tend to think that they were... Uh, um, not exactly hoaxes, people who believed that the advent was coming, right. but that they were pushed along sometimes by, by uh, people who saw that this was a, an awfully good way to sell uh, religion. Well, you know, H.L. Mencken used to say that the uh, most powerful capacity of mankind was the ability to believe the palpably untrue. And I love the, uh, you, how you tell the story that Zevi, the one-time Jewish Messiah, eventually is, uh, converts, we think, and forced to convert to uh, Islam. And he still remains followed by some of the people who wanted to be the Jewish Messiah. It just shows people will find a way to believe what they want to believe. Exactly. And once they invest in something, they have more reason to believe. There's a, an old rule, and it actually works quite well in campaign finance. Give a person, uh, if you give a candidate a dollar mm -hmm. or $5, you're more likely to give more rather than less in the future. You've already made that active investment. And you're uh, unwilling to just say no then because you've t taken the first step. Well, in these cases, you have people who invested an awful lot, either uh, other people who were helping him out or other people who believed in it or those who sold their houses and were getting ready for the uh, advent and had nothing <laughs> left. You have to believe if you've invested right. that much. That's a kind of psychological theory, and I think it holds true to some extent. Well, I look forward to the day when we can elect a president just because we think he or she has some pretty good ideas that might work. And then if they don't, we just go, oh, okay, well, didn't work. We'll fire him and get a new one. But uh, that's not how politics tends to work. That's why your piece in the Weekly Standard is so fascinating. James Caesar, thanks so much for joining us for this Weekly Standard podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.